Jacob and Michael. Hey everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes. Holy shit, this microphone, this new microphone is a lot stronger than it used to be. I'm not used to seeing the bar go that high. I can talk lower instead of yelling all the time, Jacob. Most impressive. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, something stuck on my throat. Alright everybody, so this is our final Halloween episode. And what perfect time to do the 50th anniversary of Scooby-Doo, a show that I'm actually kind of surprised you really have never done on the show. Yes, technically the first Halloween special uh, was when Jacob was really, really overloaded with work, and I had my friend Tony come in. We discussed the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo, and uh, I'm going to slap that on to the end of this episode because I want to kind of clean that episode up. This is before I learned about taking out the dead space and, you know, boosting up the sound and taking a filter to it and getting out some of the static. Uh, I had a microphone, Jacob. I swear to you, I bought new equipment because uh, we're starting our new show, which is a connection of this, Comics on Infinite Earths and other stuff. I swear to you, I bought new recording systems and each one of them had this weird goddamn feedback shit that I could not figure out. Nobody could figure out. I even called Taskam they can't figure it out. So... We just, uh, I just went and got a new speaker, and it's the same shit as usual. I'm sorry, guys, it, unless uh, you start, like, donating or something, I can't afford a good recorder. Yeah, no, hey, these things can happen, kid. Zoinks! You know, what can you do about uh, electronic equipment at school? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jinkies! <laughs> all right, let's not, let's not do the female voice. I don't think it's going to work very well. Uh, all right, so for uh, uh, most of our generation, I think we know the original series. Like the back of our hand, I think everybody knows those first three seasons. It's after that where it gets a little wonky, and I kind of want to dive into all things Scooby-Doo. And, uh, of course, we have the core series. That was three seasons created by Ruby and Spears. Yes, technically a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. The reason the show is fucking rad is because of Ruby and Spears. And you're going to see halfway through the run of Scooby-Doo shows, Ruby and Spears go off on and do their own cartoons. And they leave Scooby-Doo, and that's when it goes to shit. You know, after realizing that and seeing all like the so many different intros throughout all the different iterations, you could definitely tell why. Oh, man. I know. I mean, like the first two seasons, like one, of course, you hear the original theme song. Yeah, even the theme songs uh, were sung by like different people. Like in the first one, the guy was a little more solemn, less echoey, kind of like uh, kind of like you know tired somewhat. Can you imagine like if Scooby Doo's been going for fifty years? Do you imagine if it went before that and it had theme songs from like that style of music, like like a crooner if Scooby Doo was in the forties? Was that hey uh, check out the wild dog Scooby Doo? Oh, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> exactly, I know, and this sounded like the monkeys would sing it. In fact, I even thought it was Davy Jones who did it for the second season. I'm like, damn, Davy. <laughs> oh, then Elvis comes in. Oh, Scooby-Doo, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> they eat Scooby snacks all the time. Thing, and I get that mixed up from time. Oh, oh the king, it's okay. Hey, check, <laughs> out, check out that Daphne, hoo-ha. I tried to cry on that monster gentleman ghost dude. Okay, Fred, come here, come here, Fred. I need you to, I need to tell you something. 
One, I'm a king of two. Oh, look at that, man! <laughs> Can't they all be Scooby-Doo's? <laughs> Just seeing it as a song would change through the years. God, can you imagine Bob Dylan doing that? Little sis, get a bus, Scooby-Doo! Solid mystery! Mystery needs to be solved! In a Scooby-Doo, buddy, dear. Don't you know our love is true? <laughs> okay. But anyway, yeah, no, like, the core of the series, of course, you know, you've got, like, your diverse characters, you know, you know, there's uh, Daphne, who's, like, the pretty girl, I mean, you can tell she and Fred are dating, even though they hint, don't hint at it at all in this series, in the first series. Fred's just, like, you know, headstrong and, you know, the leader, charismatic. But, yeah, you can't see any ounce of uh, stupidity to him. What's with the, Velma, what's with the, with the ascot? I gotta ask, what's with the ascot? I don't get it. And he kept it for so long. What's the ascot? What are you talking about? Yeah, the, the little scarf? orange the thing. Scarf? Yes, yes, it's called an ascot. Right? Oh, I'm sure it's called an ascot. oh, I think, I don't know, it was the 60s. I don't know, I thought that was the style. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Still, <clears throat> and then there was, of course, Velma. She was the brains. Like, she was Egon of the group. Like, if they did have to have, like, high advanced uh, telekinetic equi equipment, it would totally be her that'd be behind it. You know what's the funniest thing is that um, she basically is the reason why the team is successful. There really isn't much of a reason other than her. It seems like everything else. Like, Fred, he's not even a tough guy, really. you think that he would be the muscle of the team. You know, uh, Daphne would be the charm, you know, the one that can really, like, connect the people and talk to them. And, you know, Daphne exactly. would be the uh, one that's kind of withdrawn. It was basically, you could get rid of every single person on this team. And Daphne, or Velma, would still solve all the mysteries. Oh, God, yes, I know, it is. She is the brains of this operation. And I like how they point, even in the uh, live-action movie that came out a decade later, like, she was even the brain. <laughs> in fact, that's the reason why they split, because, you know, she didn't get any of the credit. Like, she was <laughs> the one who came up with the plans, and she was always tossed aside. Fred was just the show hog. They made him a douche. Yeah. The, um... Yeah. I watched, I watched, so the live action movies, they're the only real direct connection to, I would say the original core run. Because I feel like, well, okay, Scrappy-Doo's in the first movie, that does connect back to the original series. But the the sequel, which is the more superior one, uh, Monsters Unleashed, that yes. one, that one is so in love with the original series, and it really connects to a strong, and what I love about the movie, and what I what always got on my nerves about the cartoon was that none of the monsters were real. It was always some old man trying to scare them off from his haunted amusement park. Old man Withers! And he's always like, ah, oh, I'm going for your cousins, crazy dog. Yeah, and he happened to be a great dame, by the way. Yeah, those are big dogs. Yeah, big honking. Do you remember in Jay and Silent Bob when they have the Scooby-Doo parody and they show the thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, show. And yeah, Mark Hamill, I think, was the voice of that dog. Oh, what surprised me. Um, I also watched the prequels, the direct-to-video sequels. I can't remember. The one was like Lake Erie Monster and one I think is Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins. They, I don't understand. Yeah. How hard is it to get a guy with blonde hair? Yeah. You got, what's the kid? The kid, he's from, uh, he played Firestorm. Stephen Amell, right? No. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, his younger brother. What's his name? Robert Amell? Robbie Amell, yeah. So he plays Fred and they couldn't slap a fucking wig on him or dye his hair. His hair is dark brown and short. Come on, yeah, you were right. trying. I mean, yeah, no, indeed. I mean, he definitely plays the part. I liked him. Oh, God, he's hilarious in The Duff. He made me laugh my ass. Oh, The Duff is a good movie. I didn't realize he was in that. Um, 
Yeah. Well, they got they have Freddie Prince Jr. Whatever happened to him playing Fred? You have uh, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne. Um, oh yes. Matthew Lillard. And I thought it, Matthew Lillard is a very very entertaining in this. And then the Scooby Doo. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, and the kid who replaces him in the uh, live action direct to video ones is pretty good too. But it seems like he's more of an act, whereas Matthew Lillard kind of just found his inner scoo- uh, inner Shaggy, which I thought really worked. Oh God, yes, I know. And that live action movie, what? <laughs> Some of those jokes were definitely for like the older teens and for all the people who grew up on it. Like, yeah, it there was almost confirmation to the to where Shaggy and Scooby were potheads. <laughs> hey, even the girl he liked, this is, um, oh god, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Her fashion. name was Mary Jane, and that was like Shaggy's favorite name. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the steam coming out of that mystery, uh, the mis- uh, oh gosh, why am I blanking on the name? The Mystery Ink Mobile, the van. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, it, it, I mean, they don't like 100% confirm it. But they definitely hint at it. Like, yeah, no, they're potheads. We don't want to exactly confirm it because, you know, I'm pretty sure all the parents will be pissed off. But then again, I'm like, I don't know. There's worse things for you to be pissed off at than, you know, a live-action movie based off an animated series that you probably watched as a, as a kid, too. <laughs> and if you didn't realize it then, your awareness sucks. <laughs> I, okay, I was joking about the Frank Sinatra thing earlier, but I'm looking at this right now. And... Fred Silverman, the guy who was running uh, the cartoon chunk of CBS, right? Uh, originally, this was called "Who's Scared," and it's about a rock and roll band that also solves mysteries. Which I think later becomes um, God. It feels like three or four cartoons to use that. Didn't we watch one a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago in the Hanna Barbera one where it's um, uh, it's a ghost? He's like a Paul Revere kind of ghost. Remember? We talked about this. It was oh the, yeah, no, I, the Funky Phantom. Funky Phantom, yeah. I think that was the same kind oh. of plot. And then there was, uh, well, I know Speed Buggy kind of had that. And then there was the shit Goober and the Ghost Chasers and stuff like that. So there's a lot of these. Uh, Scooby Doo was so big that's all Hanna Barbera seemed to do for like the next decade was rip off of its own cartoon. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they were all like you know ghosts hunting, you know, mystery-solving, you know, cases. But, yeah, again, in the original series, it was just a bunch of old people who were trying to swindle and, uh, you know, rip off money with whatever the subject they were dealing with. Like, you know, with the uh, the Black Knight, how it only came alive at the full moon. Yeah. In fact, one of the curators, uh, he was just one of the curators who was just trying to steal off all the museum art and using the Black Knight persona to just scare away people. And then, the, the of course, you know, there'd be a kidnap victim involved to where they had to find uh, the ones who, like, knew about what was really going on but couldn't tell anyone. But they couldn't be killed. Remember, this is a cartoon. <laughs> it's a cartoon series, kids. Well, that's, that's the other thing I was going to mention is the first time they passed on it because they said it was too intense based on the uh, presentation artwork and designs that they did for them. So they took it back. I forgot to finish my thought from earlier. Sorry. Um that uh, Fred Silverman said uh, he was inspired by Tr- Strangers in the Night, the part where he's like, Scooby Dooby Doo, Dooby Dooby. That was actually, they renamed the dog Scooby Doo, and then they called it Scooby Doo, Where Are You? That is so crazy to me. 
<laughs> you were just joking about how I was joking. I had no idea. Kind of song, but uh, lo and behold, you know what's really impressive is that uh, Frank Welker still, still is doing voice work fifty years later, and he was of course the voice of Fred, uh, Casey Kasem, legendary uh, DJ who had a kind of a miserable end. Um, of course, it was Shaggy. Uh, Don Mesnick, uh, I think he's still around, uh, does Scooby-Doo's voice. Just, they're so legendary. Exactly. I know oh, no, really Don Mesnick's died 22 here. years ago. I'm an idiot. Uh, Nicole Jaffe as Velma. Now, I don't know. I don't know some of these actresses. What else they did? She was more of a live-action actress, okay? She only did a few things. Uh, mostly just the voice work, and then she was a couple Disney movies. And then Indira Stefiana... Did Daphne? That's another name I've never known before. This is crazy to me that these names are so legend, or voices are so legendary, and they were hardly in anything. Wow. I know, but Endira, that's such an awesome name. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it sounds so majestic and mystic. Yeah, so. That would be the. Huh. Sorry. No, I'm just curious because it does seem like I'm looking, thinking about back on television during the '70s. And it's like Scooby-Doo was ahead of the mark, because if you look at all the great shows of the 70s, almost every single one of them was a detective show. Even the cop shows were kind of detective shows. We have Columbo, uh, McMillan and Wife, uh, Kojak, Who Loves Ya Baby, uh, The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew had a TV show. Um, what's the one? Um, he's a medical doctor. Quincy. There was Rockford oh, yeah. Files. It's just, And that's just like a slice of it. There's so many detective shows, and they were different than they are now because, yes, there's tons of detective shows now, but rarely are they about the personality. In the 70s, it was all about the personality, and with the exception of, like, Monk, I'm trying to think of any others, where they focused more on the character and the mystery came second, mm. now, it always seems to be now it's about procedural. Like, I don't know a, sh a single thing about people like on CSI and CIS Law and Order, you know, those kind of people. I don't know anything about them. It's always about the case, which is why I never watch those shows. Right, yeah. And it's about that. Yeah, they don't really go into too much character depth because they would everything else. But no, this one, of course, I mean, with Scooby-Doo, which, uh, again, as you pointed, it really did stand out. One, it was a cartoon and animated. And, again, it really, it really did give more into... Uh, depth like there would be episodes where you know the characters actually help out their relatives and then of course you know it was of course their own right hand man or handyman someone who was helping like someone really right. close to yeah. you know the subject uh, my favorite episode is i can't remember the title of it but it's the one with the underwater the glowing sea uh yes the, oh, the diver is right i think they did a parody of that in the first season of uh venture brothers um, when it went stop screaming, it was like a screaming skull that came from underwater, and they're all like, what does he say? Please stop yelling, please. I can't think. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, God, yeah, no, that was one of my favorites. There was the Minor 49er. There oh, yeah. was... The Pirates, the Ghost Pirates, Legendary, which were spoofed also on uh, South Park. Mm -hmm. And then there was, a, uh, again, the Black, uh, the Black Knight. Then there was also uh, the Robot one. The Robot Man. Oh, yes, of course, yes. And, oh, God, what was another one? And, then, and the second season kind of went a little bit more uh, out there. I think there was one that was like a voodoo, like, shaman. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, now they're getting really trippy. But then again, <laughs> you have to, you can, you can easily tell how they recycled so much and just changed the backgrounds. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, well, the running sequences were always just put on a new background. 
<laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> and of course, every time Shaggy would try to eat something, Scooby would end up eating all of it. Yep. Always uh, cleaning his face off. It's like, oh, gee, Scooby. I can't do it. I can't do a Shaggy voice, so. Oh, zoink, Scoob. <laughs> the, um, what the hell, man? I'm starving. Now, they used to run this for me. They ran it on our... This is before we really had cable. There was no Cartoon Network. Um, the only way you could see cartoons was, you know, right before school or right after school on your local, like, independent station on Saturday mornings. So we had Super 55 right. Fox. Well, Super 55, then it became Fox. And they used to air Scooby-Doo all the time right after school. And... Um, it was a real treat to watch the Scooby-Doo movies that came after the third season. This is the one that I remember more because it was an, hour, yeah, it was hour-long episodes instead of half-hour, and they always had a, a celebrity. Now, mind you, most of the time I had no idea who these celebrities were, and this would be my introduction to these people. Um, the ones I, I remember most of all were like the Harlem Globetrotters, Batman and Robin, Don Knotts. Yeah. I knew Don Knotts because right before Scooby-Doo is when they would air. Um, the Andy Griffith show, so I knew who he was. After that, it gets real sketchy. I didn't know who these people were. Oh, yeah, no, like Mama Cast Elliot. Yeah, I had no um, idea who I that was. Which, yeah, I knew who that was due to the, uh, when I watched it when I was younger because my mom introduced me to the Mom was and the Papas. Oh, okay. And then there was, oh, gosh. Then they uh, helped out with the Adams family. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there's the like, Three Stooges, I remember, show up. There was that, and, oh gosh, who else? Uh, short-haired blonde actress. Oh, God, I can't remember. You're not talking about Goldie Hawn. No, 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 not her. Did uh, she ever appear on one? Well, let's look at the list here. Um, well, we're probably talking about Sandy Duncan. Do you mean the, the lady who took over on the Hogan family? You probably have no that idea what that is. That's who it is. Okay. Uh, we have Dick Van Dyke. Uh, that's a pretty yeah. big name to get at that time. Tim Conway, oh. Sonny and Cher, um, Don Adams. What do you believe? Uh, who we got here? Uh, Jodie Foster? Oh no, Jodie Foster, not as herself. She played Pugsley Adams. This is before she was a name. <laughs> oh crap! That's funny. <laughs> I had no idea. Casey Kasem did the voice of Robin instead of Burt Ward. This was before Burt Ward came back. Now that's kind of funny because yeah. Casey Kasem at some point was probably talking to himself. Oh my God, yeah. Once you think about it, yeah. Uh, Davy Jones, Jerry Reed, uh, of course, from uh, Smoking the Bandit, um, and Jonathan Winters. Wow, even even mm -hmm. Adam West didn't even play Batman. That seems strange to me. Alan Soul, who the hell that is? Well, it's probably because it... Well, no, wait, didn't Hanna-Barbera... Those are the same voice actors who did Super Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, the complete series, I, I got these off bootleg because Warner only has the rights to 15 of the 24 episodes they did for this show uh, yeah. because they couldn't get the um, the artists to sign off, or of course most of them have passed away by now, to sign off on releasing them, uh, which seems silly. Why don't you just take the money? So they had to get rid of, um, i trying to remember, I think they got rid of, the Adams Family, uh, uh, maybe Mama Cass, Harlem Globetrotters, Three Stooges, and Lowell and Hardy, because a lot of these were owned by different companies. Now, this is it's weird here. Batman and Robin was removed, which is strange since Batman and Robin is owned by Warner Brothers, which also owns Scooby-Doo. So why would that be a problem? I think it's because Fox um, had the rights to the TV show, which they were based off of. You are absolutely right. I totally forgot about that, that, that there was a thing going on for years 
Wow, thank you. Thank you. I totally forgot that. Dang, yeah. No, I mean, I found out about that when I went on the Warner Brothers tour in uh, Burbank, uh-huh. and they mentioned that. That's why you don't get to see the 1960s Batmobile with all the other awesome Batmobile. I mean, but hey, as long as the 1989 Michael Keaton Batmobile was there. <laughs> uh, did you see that he is uh, technically added to uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover? Yeah, I saw that. He's uh, evidently his picture and a uh, newsletter uh, appeals that he's married, getting married to Selena Kyle. So I'm like, oh, cool. This takes place after Batman Returns. Yeah, that's pretty wow. right. Wow. No, uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm like, uh, but again, I'm like, if they did feature him in the actual crossover, uh-huh. that would kind of take away from Kevin Conroy. But then again, they're adding in so many actors. Yeah, they so, say it was like I mean, three Superman. I really wish Chris Reeve was still alive for that. Oh, we're getting off on a tangent. Sorry, guys. Anyway, um, back to back to Scooby Doo. Uh, so, so that ran, and I, I feel like it was in reruns for another year or two, where they just cycled over the same episodes. Uh, I want to say in '76 is when the Olympics was coming around, and every time the Olympics came around, people would get Olympic fever. '76, um, '80, '84, '88, '92, '96, and then after that, it kind of died off. I don't think 2000 was as popular, and no one gives a shit about the Olympics now. Nobody. Uh, it's probably a tenth of the ratings it used to get. We're talking that's the only thing you would watch. Box office revenues would die whenever the Olympics came around. And now it doesn't even seem to matter. Yeah, no, at this point. I mean, well, as far as it goes uh, for now, like what really brought people back to the cinemas were the Marvel movies and these comic book yeah. uh, based films. So well, like, what, I, what, what I'm trying to say, though, is there wasn't as much competition. Even in 96, there was cable, but cable didn't really have a lot of original programming. It was mostly just repackaged stuff. So you, and all the TV shows were on hiatus, so there wasn't much to watch except the Olympics, and people would get really excited about it. I remember every single time that would happen, McDonald's would have like their Olympic. They may still do it, I have no idea, but you would go there, get food, and pull these stickers off the fries and the drinks, and you would try to win prizes with it, and just everything was just Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. But I remember literally in 1996 when the Olympics debuted, the studios got real nervous and they pulled all their big stuff, which nowadays which is weird because you usually get two big hits in July and then a couple in August, and everything died. Frighteners died, Escape from L.A. died, um, Chain Reaction, which they all thought were going to be fairly big movies, just Kingpin, all of it just crushed. And, uh, yeah, it was just everybody's watching the Olympics. Um, not to stray too far, but so 76, people are Olympic crazy. They decide to take Scooby-Doo. I can't remember which one's first. If it's Scooby's Laugh Olympics or it's Yogi Bear came first, where it was basically like, now the Marvel Universe, the Avengers, where they combine all these... Well, the first person to really have this massive cross-universe existed in animation. You know, back in the Looney Tunes days. Right. But this is like the Kajunga Bajunga of... I made up a word. It's nothing. I, um, they they grab all the characters from their uh, Hanna-Barbera-verse, and they put them into uh, this big-ass show where they're competing with each other every week. I watch this thing all the time. It's ridiculous how much I watch this. Wacky races? No, 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 not wacky races. Scooby Doo Laugh Olympics. Did I even say that yet? I'm shit. I'm sorry. Scooby Doo Laugh Olympics or Scooby Doo's All Stars. They kept changing from year to year. I, I don't. I can't believe I just started that without actually telling you. Sorry. Um, it's all good. So I for a couple, you're going on with. so for a couple years, it was a combination of tons of shows like Captain Caveman, uh, Scooby Doo, and then it'd be combined with uh, uh, Di- uh, fuck. Uh, Blue Falcon and Dynamite. Um, Dynamite probably be the most right. popular of that duo. Um, and then it was also with Laugh Olympics. 
the um, at the same time on I believe it was NBC they would have Battle of the Network Stars, which is another Olympic style competition where they grab all these people from TV shows that were popular and have them compete against each other. I don't remember the last Olympics, but I do remember. Um, I think what around when it when it was transitioning into the seventies, it had a different intro where he was just like water skiing and a shark was trying to eat him. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. I believe I thought that was inspired by the Olympics as well. At least going around in like the seventies. Yeah, I'm looking here. It's it's kind of incoherent whether it's telling me All Star Left Olympics, uh, or maybe maybe it never was Yogi. But Yogi was part of it. So the, the, what they do, they had three different teams. And they separated by uh, the team from the 60s, which was all led by uh, Yogi Bear. It's called the Yogi Yahoois. And they, that's where you get, like, um, you know, all the cla- – oh, like, uh, Oggy Doggy and Doggy Daddy. Um, uh, uh, why am I having this amnesia? I'm trying not to cheat. But my brain is going. It's been a long day. Who um, exits stage left? Nagglepuss. Huckleberry Hound. Um, uh, was it, it, it Pixie and Dixie were the, the mice? Uh, Quick Drama Girl, Wally Gator, of course. Wally Gator, uh, master of the wrist cuffs and the neck, uh, neck uh, collar thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it was uh, the Scooby Doobies, which were all the guys from the 70s. And that was like Captain Caveman, Scooby Doo. Uh, I want to say Speed Buggy was there. Um, Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, oh, yeah, they were also guests. The Dinobot, of course. Blue Falcon and Dinobot were a big part of it. I think somewhere along the way, Scooby-Dum was added. This is when I started to lose Scooby-Doo a little bit. I, uh, when they added Scooby-D and Scooby-Dum and Scrappy-Doo, that's when I just started getting pissed. Okay, I will admit. Uh, as far as Dinobot, I thought he was a relative of Scooby-Doo. Like, when they would all, like, all the dogs would gang up and solve a mystery. I thought they had a little special segment like that. Maybe. I can't remember. I don't know. But, yeah, as far as getting introduced to Scrappy, I mean, uh, you got to hand it to Scrappy. He didn't take shit from anybody. Yeah. He, was awesome. like, he reminded me of Joe Pesci. Yeah, for a, he is the Joe – wow, he's the Joe Pesci of the cartoon world. But I always just remember thinking, puppy power! And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then after a year of it, I was like, no more. Please stop. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to kick that dog. I swear to God, I'm going to kick that dog. Yeah, the really runs. I don't know much about the really runs. I know some of them are from uh, uh, Wacky Races. Uh, the rest of them are just like random characters from that whole universe. Most of them seem to be from the 60s. Um, and then the really runs almost always lost. And they usually cheated, too. <laughs> little bastards. You little freaking bastards. Little furry, little beautiful bastard. Um, this is where I have to. I'm gonna have to look this up because this is where I get a little lost and where Scooby Doo goes. I could have sworn there was a Scooby Doo Dynamut show for a while. I don't know if I this is before or after Laugh Olympics. Well, I know he also did like a. There was like a. I think a little special hour um, where he have his block and then Richie Rich would have his block. Oh, God, the Richie Rich show. That, that's going to come up in a future episode because that's all about the 80s and Ruby Spears, man. Oh, my God, I watched Richie Rich like a fiend. Oh, yeah, no, oh, God. I mean, uh, honestly, of course, as a kid, what got me into that was the Richie Rich film with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right, because then they started airing him on Boomerang. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then I think the another one that I'm really – an intro to Scooby that I'm familiar with I think it was like in the 80s. Like it sounded like it was a little bit more uh, – have more of a funk vibe to it. And I remember like all the classic monsters just like dancing. 
Oh, it was, it was Scooby's Disco Nights. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and he. Uh, so Scooby was Dirk Diggler, and uh, Shaggy was. <laughs> Shaggy was. Uh, what was uh, John C. Riley's character in there? The theme song was "You've Got the Touch." <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Fred was uh, the Burt Reynolds character. Scooby Knights. That's what it'd be called. Scooby Knights. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Imagine that fucking parody acting. Oh my God! That's so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, so somewhere, somewhere, this, okay, so it's '78, I think, is when they started adding Scrappy Doo as a regular. And that's when they got rid of Velma and Fred, and then Daphne was with them when they were on Mysteries, and I think this is when Scooby Dumb was added as well, and you, the animation fucking blows. It doesn't look yeah. good at all, the storylines start falling apart, and that's when I kind of started to bail. I know, I'm like, Velma can only, I mean, Daphne can only do so much in holding the team together, but no. Yeah, I know, I can even tell, I was like watching it, I'm like, oh jeez, this looks a lot cheaper. This looks like this looks as bad as Battletoads. Yo, <laughs> shit, you, you shut your mouth, I will hurt you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, honestly, for some reason, like when uh, in that little '80s intro, the one with like all the classic monsters dancing, I don't know why, but I picture them dancing to "Keep Feeling Fascination" by the Human League. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I don't know, but the, the way they move and everything, it seems like that would be perfect for the like. I think it would work. I think it would work better with "Won't you take me to Funky Town? Won't you take me to Funky Town?" Yeah, I know. Uh, either way, both songs would fit into that. If only, or Dead Man's Party. If someone made a oh my of god, that'd be perfect. Well, okay. So after Scrappy Doo is when it turned into the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, which everybody says is the worst one. I say no. You got uh, 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 Vincent Price in there, and Real Monsters, I'm down. I don't care if Flim Flam is just a ridiculous character who's basically uh, just uh, putting him basically on top of Scrappy is annoying. I, I actually think it's better than the Scrappy-Doo show. Of course. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I thought 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo uh, was great. Honestly, here comes Vincent Price with that Doctor Strange persona to tell the every. To tell, oh shit, damn it, I lost it. To tell Shaggy and Scooby, it's like, yeah, no, you guys fucked up. You have to do this. I can only help you so much. Yes. You hang out with the Prister. <laughs> I always feel like he. Darkness uh, falls across the land. The midnight hour close at hand. To watch this cartoon late at night. Which is what I did. That's how I knew of it. <laughs> uh, Dana Gould does a really uh, funny parody of Vincent Price trying to hit the clubs and hitting on ladies. It's like, oh, the ladies <laughs> dig the Pricester. <laughs> I have to look this up. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, no. Again, I thought. Again, yeah, they were actually dealing. They were actually dealing with monsters, and then they, um, again, none of the original game was there except you know, yeah, it was just Scooby Shaggy. Scrappy and this other kid, I can't remember his name. Like this one random kid, I was like, wait, what the heck? Where did he come from? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. Th th that was kind of the end. Uh, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. They kind of they pulled it from a ABC, I remember, and that's when they started packaging up the episodes and putting them in syndication. Uh, and that's where I caught a lot of them. And um, in syndication, of course, it was hit really big, but. Um, I think what really changed Scooby-Doo was the success of Muppet Babies, which was is another show that we, I can't believe we've never discussed, and we gotta. Um, 
Muppet Babies was a phenomenon, one of the longest-lasting cartoons in history, and I think at the time, maybe the longest cartoon. Um, wow. And then that's kind of when people started looking at, like, they started doing the Young Flintstones. They did... Um, yes, I remember that. There, there was, I feel like there was another one where they took characters and rebooted them as younger, but I can't think of it right now. Um, of course, they did that Looney Tunes later and fucked that up hard. <laughs> but Really? Um, yeah, they did a baby Looney Tunes that was just complete oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, I hope you're not talking about Tiny Tunes. No, no, no. With the Tiny Tunes, it's right. kind of the same aesthetic, though. Taking younger versions, even though it's not them, but it's it's kind of like them. You know, Babs It's the next them. generation of tunes. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, but for me, a pup named Scooby-Doo is the peak of Scooby-Doo. The, the, the theme song is even better, which is hard to do because that original theme song is great. Um, oh, yeah, no, that was much more catchier. Yeah, and uh, the way they did the art design is phenomenal, and the stories are really good. The mysteries are legit. Um, I had a lot of fun revisiting Scooby, uh, Puppet and Scooby-Doo, and I looked up the reason why I think it's so strong. This is when Hanna-Barbera was kind of winding things up. They did have a small revival in the 90s that worked with like uh, the Pirates of Dark Water and stuff like that and the, the Johnny Quest cartoon, but the reason right. it works so well is because Tom Ruger, who um, would go on to reboot all the, the, the tiny... He would do Tiny Toon Adventure, and he did Animaniacs, Pinky the Brain, and you know one of my personal favorites, Freakazoid. He... Yeah. Basically, this is the first show that he really developed and was a showrunner. Pup Named Scooby-Doo is very, very good because it redesigns them. I never really cared for the Hanna-Barbera look, um, except for like Tom and Jerry. And uh, Huckleberry Hound. You know, like the sex, 60s were fine. It's when the 70s came around in the 80s, and they're just, I don't like their art style too much. This was a love letter to the old Warner Brothers star cartoon, so it looked a lot like uh, um, you know, Chuck Jones and Tex Avery style animation, especially with the big over um, the top animation style. Um, you know, Fritz Freeling, Bob Clampett, you know, it, it looked more like those. Right. You talk about uh, Glug, 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 glug. glug. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Well, okay. I think there was there like a little Jetsons version or uh, oh yeah, Tom and Jerry Kids. There was a Tom and Jerry Kids. There wasn't a Jetsons. Jetsons um, got revived in the late '80s because of I think if I remember correctly, there was a movie, Flintstones Meet the Jetsons, that was syndicated. That was a phenomenon. It was huge. I remember watching it. Yeah. And they decided to bring back the original series and they packaged it up with the uh, new episodes. Which right. ran for like two seasons, and it was so popular. That's why they did the theatrical film in 1990. Oh God! You know what else I remember? I remember uh, actual little uh, Scooby Doo, uh, actual films like Scooby Doo meets the Ghoul School. Yeah. Also, uh, where they actually watch over the kids of all these famous monsters like Frankenstein's Creation, uh -huh. uh, Dracula's daughter, and of course uh, the Mummy's Kid as well. Right. That's when they started bringing in uh, real monsters again. And I believe these were all syndicated movies that they would repackage for VHS. And VHS is probably where most of us saw them. I, I remember watching the first three. After that, I don't remember watching any of them for a very long time until Zombie Island. And that's the one where I discovered... I didn't even know Mark Hamill did the voice of Joker. I just did for some reason. And then I saw that he did voices in Zombie Island. And I was like, this movie's pretty good. And, and Mark... Mark what? You know, Mark Hamill's doing voice work, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's been doing voice work for a while. 
Yeah, he, yeah, he usually just stuck to voice work and uh, like Broadway stuff. Uh, shortly after Star Wars. Yeah, and, yeah. It, well, he he did some comic books too. I remember he did like the Black Pearl or Black Hand for Dark Horse. Oh wow. Yeah, and this is this is where I stopped watching Scooby Doo. There's like 900 more direct-to-video sequels. I've never seen a single one. Um, Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. I haven't watched any of these. I watched the, direct, the live action movies, and uh, after that, I was kind of out. I will say this: like the Reluctant Werewolf, again, they had real monsters. The funny thing is, it was the plot of it was Dracula needed to complete his race, and he needed a werewolf. Because Werewolf was on a vacation, and he does not like Dracula. <laughs> so he turns, so he ends up turning Scooby-Doo, uh, I mean, he ends up turning uh, Shaggy into one. And Shaggy actually has a girlfriend in this one. I was like, oh, whoa, Shaggy finally has a girlfriend. Sorry, what's going to happen to Scoob? What is this new Scoob book? There's a new movie called Scoob? Yeah, there's a new animated movie in the works. No shit. Tony oh, Cervone, I know that name. Why do I know Tony Cervone? We'll look him up. Mm. Oh, because he's, he's directed... He did the animation for Space Jam. That's why I know his name. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you know what else uh, came out today? The Adams Family movie. I have to see it. But reviews are bad, dude. Oh, right. He also did Duck Dodgers. Yeah, he's good. Okay, I'll watch this. I'll watch this. Mark Wahlberg is doing the voice of Blue Falcon. What? <laughs> Tracy Morgan, Ken Jeong... Jason Isaacs, Zach Efron, Gina Rodriguez, Will Forte, Amanda Seyfried. That's pretty cool. And, of course, Frank Welker. He's back as Fred? Yep. Yes. But I was going to say, if, he could, if they were to do another live-action Scooby-Doo, Zach Efron would be a perfect choice. That'd be pretty good, actually, yeah. The, um, when I... I, 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 I <clears throat> sorry. Had some speak, boy, speak! I do want to say one thing, though. Yes? Zach Efron, after seeing him in, uh... Where he, that film he did, it's, it's a long title. I don't want to repeat it. I can't remember it anyway. But no, where he played uh, Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, that was a good movie. Out. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. He brought out his dramatic potential for sure. I'm like, dude, I want to see him as a Green Lantern. He looks like he'd be Green Lantern as well. Um, so the other, the series that came after this, I didn't see any of these. Um, What's New Scooby-Doo I remember hearing about, but I, I may have solved one or two episodes. One of these changes the animation style completely, and I was like nauseous. I was like, no way. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, no. Um, Scooby. Yeah, there was one that came out recently. I think what three years ago. That was the one where they really changed it up. But I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't. Uh, oh, see, just, I mean, it's great that they're still syndicating and keeping yeah, Scooby Doo yeah. alive. But eh. wow, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Matthew Lillard returned as the voice of Shaggy, um, and Linda Cardellini cool. returned as Velma. That's pretty cool. Love them both. Again, they killed it in the live-action movies. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, the second one was definitely a, a more superior film. I really, I actually did enjoy that one. Wow, there's way more than I thought. I didn't know that there was a series called Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and there's Scooby-Doo. Oh, no, wait, I just watched Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. Have you seen this yet? No. Okay, Scooby-Doo... Uh, oh, it's right, you won, because you don't have the Boomerang app. Okay, so Boomerang is... I think Boomerang has a really terrible catalog, considering how many cartoons they have access to, and that's the ones they're showing us. They're giving us like 5% of the cartoons they have available. You want me to pay for it. You better cough up like, everything, buddy. Um, but oh they have – it, it's, it's a back to the Scooby-Doo movies is where they have a guest on every single week, and they go into adventure. And I watched the one with Weird Al, and it's friggin' hilarious. 
I'll have to watch it. Yeah, they're Weird Al's even too weird for them, and they're just like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Oh my god. I know Man, they did. Know, did they I do like, some Scooby Doo comics for DC? Like the whole uh, Hanna Barbera verse got. Yes, they did. Done they in a weird way, though, right? Yeah, like how they did with like uh, the Looney Tunes would cross over with actual DC uh, heroes and stuff. And heck, speaking of crossovers, there was one of Masters of the Universe in the in, uh, DC's Injustice series. And I'm like, what? It's what? pretty much it. This I'm story is stupid. Scooby Apocalypse? The characters are vetted in a story set in a post-apocalyptic world where monsters roam the streets and Scooby and the gang must find a way to survive at all costs. Okay. Okay, yeah, this sounds like something that Michael Bay would do. Yeah, that sounds real It sounds like, bad. which is why it sounds like shit. Oh my god. Oh, that, no. Sorry. Maybe it's cool, I don't know, but it seems like a really dumbass idea. Yes, man. Let's, let's make it a horrifying tale to scare the children. Yes, this will sound great. Yeah. I'll bring the end of Scooby-Doo! How can you scare the children when none of them are even going to watch it? The uh, so that's pretty much it with the Scooby Doo. I like I said, my favorite is pup named Scooby Doo. Of course, there is a lot of merit, of course, in the first five or six years of Scooby Doo. It's when Scrappy Doo starts taking a big focus. Is plus Ruby Spears quitting. It just didn't help. Uh, so I would say probably right. after seventy eight to was eighty five is when it gets kind of iffy. That does make you think. It's like is that why they made Scrappy Doo the villain in the First live action I'm film. guaranteeing you that James Gunn, which we haven't mentioned yet, James Gunn wrote both Scooby Doo movies. Um, directed what? by yeah, James Gunn. That's how he <laughs> made. That's how he made his bones, man. He wrote the two Scooby Doo movies, and uh, I think he hated Scrappy Doo, and that's why he made him the villain. And uh, they were directed by Rajah Gosnell. Now, if you know Rajah Gosnell, um, he broke yes. out with Never Been Kissed, but he also did the Smurfs movies. Oh wow. Which I think are pretty oh. good too. No, yeah, that's, that's like I definitely felt like some kind of similarity between the two. Yeah. I was like, huh. There's a he there's really a free... like. Go ahead. No, I mean again, Rasha Gosnell. I mean, especially like when it comes to animated and then like, they're trying to bring them out into the real world and like, uh, but yet still keep that cartoonish feel and flow. He did that brilliantly. The uh, the boomerang app, just to give you a heads up, is fifty uh, percent originals, uh, which all look terrible for the most part. Uh, 25% their directed video movies uh, and Christmas Ooh. specials. So uh, it's going to be great for Christmas because there's like 300 Christmas specials for some weird reason. And then they have... Where the hell the Halloween ones? Yeah, and then maybe at best, at best, 25% older titles. Only three of them seem to be from the good years of Cartoon Network, which is strange. You have a huge catalog of cartoons to choose from. Why are you only doing like Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Cow and Chicken, and I can't remember what the other one was. And Johnny Bravo. No, Johnny Bravo was not on there. I was actually shocked. What? Uh, yeah, I know. And then uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Lost yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And then like you have a I they have love. they have a I catalog love. of oh, yeah. the, the uh, Tom and Jerry and the Warner Brothers, and maybe five or six classic Hanna Barbera's. But they do have the Richie Rich cartoon, which I absolutely adore. Oh wow! Oh, what about Curse the Cowardly Dog? Um, maybe. I don't know if they have rotating cartoons. It seems like they should have power, uh, Courage uh, for Halloween. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, does not have something only Christmas-oriented? Yeah. I'm offended. 
<laughs> the um, so the next episode we okay I left you hanging, like two episodes ago I said we were going to do the Marvel productions, um, next, and I lied to you, so that'll be our next episode. We're gonna grab. There's a lot of Marvel productions. So we're only going to grab like a handful. Just make sure they're sole Marvel Productions because they teamed up with other companies sometimes like Sunbow. We'll do an episode about Sunbow and stuff like that. Um, Marvel, Marvel's huge. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure which cartoons we'll pick or we'll have to do by – we'll have to cut the Marvel into two or three pieces because seriously, Marvel Productions in the 80s was gigantic because Marvel was genius and they signed up with toy companies. So they would develop the cartoon for them. Then work on the comic book, and then sometimes the comic books were packaged in with the toys. It was a huge system that was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, DC would do it a little bit, like they did with Master of the Universe and some other stuff, but no way did they hit yes. as hard as Marvel did with the cross-pollination of merchandising. No, of course. Yeah, that was exactly smart. I mean, not only are you going to want to have – I mean – Especially being a kid, like whenever you're watching your favorite cartoon, you'd always have your action figure per pertaining to that cartoon or show. Like, you know, kids would dress up like the Lone Ranger. They would have their toys. They'd reenact, like, some of the scenes and the fights going on right then and there. Yeah, no. Again, it makes total sense for Marvel to do that. I mean, didn't they also work on uh, – do a production of RoboCop? They did do. Yeah, they I did. forgot. They did, they did the cartoon for RoboCop. It's called the Marvel Action Hour. We'll talk about that, though, next episode. Don't ruin it, uh, you son of a bitch. Okay, okay. I'm pumping the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I will break you. Um, all right, so that is it for us. Uh, this is our last Halloween special, so thank you, everybody. Um, I said we'll end in January, but I'm still looking at the list of stuff. Unless we're going to be doing these every two weeks, which we might be able to do, uh, we'll probably end at our anniversary, which is our sixth anniversary will be uh, the last week of February. So we'll be able to fit at least more, maybe like eight more episodes in. Very nice. <laughs> Did you really do a Borat? What, what year are you from? Next thing you're going to do like a, all right, baby, yeah. Don't make, don't make me go there, Austin Powers. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. All right. Um, so yeah, check I us out on Facebook. Me. under. I'll uh, reach through this microphone and I'll rip your lip up over your head, make you swallow your skull. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm being particularly okay. mean. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just kidding, everybody. I love him like my brother. Wait, are you my brother? I don't know. After what you just said, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Make him sit in the comfy chair. The comfy chair. The comfy chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we quote Princess Pride real quick? Go ahead. You can do whatever you want. Liar! Liar! He said to blaze, which means to bluff. <laughs> he said true love. He said true love. I can't do her voice. Uh, oh, God, I know, dude. Carol Kane. It, it, ugh, she's still kicking it. All right, everybody. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes, uh, which will slowly become our next show, uh, Hit Rewind. And um, Jacob, send us out. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Have a spooky and fun Halloween. But if any of you dress up like Elton John, I swear to God, I better not see those photos. Because then I'll have to dress as something else. Is that what you're, what you're going as? I never dress up. I can't afford it. Um, I want to go. We're, we're dressing as villains at work. And I wish I didn't have glasses. See, the biggest problem also, not just because I can't afford costumes, is because I have glasses and it screws everything up. And I can't see anything without it. Uh, I would love to dress as the monarch. 
from uh, the Venture Brothers. Uh, Dr. Girlfriend! Just walking around doing that to everybody. Ah! You fools! Well, I could go, anyway, I could go a Skeletor, but like a scholarly Skeletor. Yeah! Let me read my book, Ivan. I'll learn how to take you out. <laughs> Let me correct you on your grammar. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of the Elton John or Prince. Do you think that when Skeletor uh, reads Playboy, he's also like, Your boobs! Meanwhile, Evelyn's just over there going, What the fuck, man? <laughs> this is my time, Evelyn! <laughs> I'm going to play with my beast, man! <laughs> what was his castle? It was, it was Castle Grey School, and what was his? Snake Mountain. Snake. Oh, I want to hang out in my Snake Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play with my magic staff. <laughs> It'll shoot out of its electric ways, but I'm done with it. Eat this, Hordak. All right, let's stop. Let's get gross. And those shenanigans. All right, all right. I think you're scared of me. All right, everybody. So uh, as a bonus, I'm going to add on the uh, the edited, cleaned up uh, episode we did five years ago of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Gumby will be back after these messages. Weekday morning, starting at 7. Get up and go, go, Gadget Sale! With Inspector Gadget. Then at 7.30, Hello! the Thundercats swing into action. And at 8, get together with the gang. <laughs> it's Fan Albert, followed at 8.30 by the biggest troublemakers in Bedrock. Fred! Barney! It's the Flintstones. It's a full morning of fun, weekdays on Channel 5. That's Toucan Sam. Whatever, Mac. I took a wrong turn last night. I'm starved. Where can a guy grab some breakfast? Your wrong turn was right. Fruit flavors will satisfy your appetite. Come follow my nose. He's got to be a shortcut. It always knows. Ah, Kellogg's Fruit Loop Cereal with natural orange, lemon, and cherry flavors. Part of this complete breakfast with a full day supply of vitamin C. Want more? Sure, Mac. Fill her up. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> Watch a mobile too hot Too flashy, too bang, too splashy an airplane in space. <laughs> Find out about movies and how they got started. Touch and discover. Sticks, crops, snakes, rocks. Right here in Washington. On the National Mall. The Smithsonian wants you to keep in touch. And now, Gumby. This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever opens this 
Back in Tunes. This is the cartoon show where we discuss 80s and 90s cartoons. Every once in a while we throw in a 70s cartoon. And today is kind of an odd mixture. Uh, we're going to be watching Scooby-Doo, but it's going to be the very final Scooby-Doo of the original run. It's going to be 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. But first, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm your host, Michael. And my guest? I'm Tuan, Michael's friend. You know, I've been friends with Tony for about five years. We never really talked about cartoons. We always talk about comic books, but I think that's because you worked at a comic shop for so long. <laughs> that was just like that first thing you're going to talk about. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I'm kind of an all-around nerd. I'm all over the place, but I always had a soft spot for old-style cartoons, and uh, this one here is another one of those ones where, you know, it's a very fond memory of mine. Uh, I like to call it the uh, Shaggy and his orange shirt days. <laughs> Alright, so what we do is we just try to find the episode online. We're not going to ask you to go out there and buy the show if you've never seen it. So we found this at a weird spot. It's on, it's going to be weird to pronounce, Truilululu or something. Just look it up on Google and bring you to it. You'll have to sit through ads, of course, but for the most part, they got the complete series up. Alright, so hit play now. Alright, so this one, this one was kind of abandoned. Of all the Scooby-Doo shows, no one really talks about this one. It's kind of maligned a little bit, but I, I, I really enjoy it. I thought one of the weird things about this Scooby-Doo was the fact that half the cast just kind of aren't there for some reason, and we never really know why or what have you. They're just like, no, we're just going to have Daphne there, and I think uh, I think Velma and uh, you know them, they're just, they're just going to just wander off a little bit. Yeah, I want to talk to someone who is behind the creation of this show because it seems like an odd choice just to ditch half your cast you know, and add the little kid. <laughs> I mean, it, it's bad enough that we already had Scrappy thrown in there randomly. I was like, let's have another kid in there. we gotta, we got to bring in those kids again. You know, all these adults, they're just, it's just too much. It feels like, um, I don't know if you remember, but Archie Bunker at the very end, it was just him and some kid, and they're all hanging out in a bar, which I don't understand. I, I don't know if it was purely a bar. I can't remember. But it seemed like one of those things like, this isn't really Archie Bunker. And this it feels a little bit like not Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, that's uh, – it, it, clearly it was them trying to you know grab a whole new crowd, which just didn't work out at all. I mean – you know, like the first, very first sign was the fact that apparently Shaggy really did need to change his shirt, you know, because Green <laughs> wasn't doing it. I love the fact that that's the one simple thing. They're like, ah, you know what? We don't give him a haircut or have him shave. We're just going to have him get a fresh shirt. How long do you wear that one shirt? It's disgusting. <laughs> Which leads uh, you believe that, you know, maybe it's like a Bizarro clone because, like, afterwards, you know, 10, 20 years later when the live action movie came back, you know, was like, they just forgot about that. That never really occurred. It was all a dream sequence. Wait, what if this is an alternate universe? This explains me. Fred and Velma never existed in this world. 
that that's a that's a that's a possibility. I mean, you know, with without Fred and Velma, you know, just really sticking him around and giving him on the wild adventures and the chase of truth, maybe this is all just one really huge cracked out like cocaine ride where he's not really all there. There aren't really any ghosts, and there is no child. Yeah, you know what's funny is it just occurred to me. I don't recall there being any actual real ghosts in the original series. Am I wrong? No, no, they only ever had them in. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I thought that there was some in a pup named Scooby Doo, but no, I, there weren't any real ghosts in that either. They started introducing them into the later cartoons. It wasn't in any of the earlier ones that they actually existed. Yeah, so maybe this is an alternate universe where there really is ghosts, because I think that was kind of the point of the original series: is them kind of mocking like mythology and superstitions and stuff like that. These people that would create villains, you know, like you know, like, uh, the one. The, I think my favorite one is the the sea creature one, the one with like the glowing yeah. helmets. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. At the uh, the the park, the amusement park, or what have you, the yeah. carnival. No, no, that's the one where he had like chains and he had like the underwater scuba diving costume. Okay, okay, that? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And that one is like I think that was one of the very first episodes. But yeah, there's of course the classic amusement park ride uh, yeah. ride one, which has been parodied so many times. True, true. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think one of the first lessons that Scooby-Doo taught all the children was the fact that people were the real monsters, and that was kind of a, you know, interesting thing to you know learn up and uh, grow learning, grow up and learn. Yeah, it's a little dark to present that to children, but it's also a harsh reality. But they present it in a kind of tangible way for them to understand without like yeah. wanting to commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all hope is gone. <laughs> People are bad, but at least the Harlem Globetrotters are here. Oh, yeah. You know what? I was really into that series. That was like in the middle of their run, wasn't it? Oh, like yeah, when they started just bringing in whatever they could to attract more people to come in. Yeah, they had Adam's Family. They had, I remember, Maxwell Smarts and uh, yeah. Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, those those were some fun times right there. There was a Gilligan's Island one, too, right? I don't recall Gilligan's Island. I recall all the other ones. There might have been, but uh, like I thought they tried to stay as animated as possible. Do you remember Harlem Globetrotters? They were so popular at the time they even got their own series afterwards. Like they had superpowers. Yeah, yeah. I was considering bringing that up for our conversation only because I love that for some reason because it made no sense. I mean, hell, one of them was in fact a giant basketball. For yeah, some I totally didn't do remember anything. that. <laughs> you know, one had power over water. One was a basketball. They ran into their lockers to transform, and no one knew why, what for, and how. Yeah, and it's all because of the popularity of them appearing on Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. Weren't those the mystery movies where it was like an hour-long episode? Um, I believe so, yeah. I believe all the uh, like the crossover ones were specials, basically. Yeah, the funny thing is there's so many uh, different iterations of Scooby-Doo that have happened. It's hard to keep track of what's what. It's kind of like the way they do with Spider-Man and Batman. But the one major difference is, for the most part, Scooby-Doo has kept the same continuity until they hit a pup named Scooby-Doo. Um... For the most part, I mean, like, they started really, like, drawing it out in, like, the later seasons. I want to say, like, the season just before uh, the uh, 13 Ghosts. They started, like, extending his family. Like, apparently, I don't know if you recall this or not, but uh, they decided that he was related to Dino Mutt. And I was like, oh, I don't I, – but, like, they're like cousins is what they were saying. Like, there was an episode with uh, Falcon, uh, Scooby-Doo, and Dino Mutt, and they're all hanging out together. And it's like, yeah, you know, they're cousins. It's like, what do you mean they're cousins? Just because they're the only existing cartoon dogs in the universe that have to be related. <laughs> Well, by that factor, isn't there, um, there's a lot more Hanna-Barbera dogs. I feel like there was a, um, dang it, isn't Huckleberry Hound in that same universe? 
Um, I believe so, but like I don't ever remember seeing Huckleberry and Scooby-Doo together. They might have been, and they might be related, because apparently all those dogs are related for some reason, but it was just the whole Dino-Mutt and Scooby being related it just threw me into loops. So I was like, I can't even... I can't understand how that even works at all, but all right, sure, why not? <laughs> I know I completely forgot that until you said something. But you know, yeah, La- right. the Laugh Olympics is when they brought Scooby Doo and like everybody from that whole company together. Oh yeah, the Laugh Olympics, the wacky races. I mean, that's when people started realizing that like crossover universe like concepts outside of comic books might work for cartoons as well. Yeah, I think it's funny how everybody's mind is blown by the fact the Avengers even exists. But if you look <laughs> back, you know, huge. Uh, massive universes like in this kind of medium was normal for cartoons. Yeah. Oh man, that that's uh, that's definitely a flashback right there to just old fun days. Now, if they ever did like a laugh Olympic with comic book characters, I just I, I think that'd be like a fun thing to read. <laughs> you know, just a bunch of yeah, the X Men did it all the time. They constantly have sports where they're like playing superpowered sports with one another. It's like I want to see like the Avengers sports team. <laughs> What was it? Uh, so you're saying like a more humorous version of like Crisis than Secret Wars, where we get everybody together, but it's more for like Battle of the Olympic Stars. That like yeah, that show? you know, I mean, like they've done charity events where like the Flash and Superman race across the universe, right? Or water or whatever. It's like, come on, like do like a full on like sports competition where clearly Batman's going to own everything, but really, you know, we want to see how he does it. Well, I don't know the Flash or Green Arrow. Green Arrow is probably a hell of a catcher. Oh, yeah, no, you know, I mean... Actually, you know what? He could pitch, and then he could be fast enough. Maybe not. That's right. He won't be yeah. fast enough to do his own catching. I don't know. <laughs> Him and Speedy. Yeah. What is Speedy's I mean, name now? Is it Arsenal? Uh, it, was, it was Speedy, and then it was Arsenal, and then it was Speedy again, and then it went to Red Arrow, which, honestly, like, it felt like a complete, uh, like, accident. Like, some writer accidentally wrote it in, and some, you know, artist and what have you, like... Through, like, just threw it in there with the work and got through the editors and like, well, I guess we're just going to have to do it now because someone said it. <laughs> you know what's funny is how we just got so off topic. Yeah, this, yeah. This, happens almost, right, so. this almost happens every time. But um, uh, back to 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. You know what I love about the show is the fact that they added Vincent Price. Yes. Oh, man. Getting Vincent Price's voice on a cartoon series is like perfect. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, at the time, of course, his career probably wasn't at his peak. So he was probably a little more affordable, but, you know, having uh, well-known names in cartoons wasn't that common. I think the most we ever thought of was Scatman Crothers as uh, Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was a big one. And, like, outside of, like, just, you know, random guest appearances, once again, like Harlem Globetrotters, you never really had a mainstay appear in so many, like, episodes in a cartoon series, besides Hong Kong Fooey, of course. I mean, it's normal now. And the funny thing is... Um, you know, they, they changed Scooby-Doo so much, like, adding real ghosts and adding the celebrity. It feels like they were really trying hard to get this, like, going in a different direction, and it's just sad that it failed. Yeah, like, it was it was definitely, like, a breath of fresh air, but uh, it just seemed like they lost too much of their core for it to continue as it is. I mean, yes, they needed a quick change, they needed something big and different, but uh, when it comes down to it, you know, just changing the entire core of the series kind of loses the reasoning for the entire series to begin with. Right. That kid annoys the hell out of me. I, I want to uh, like him, but I just can't. He's uh, His dialogue doesn't even make sense with the situations. No, no. He's just a thrown-in short round, which makes zero sense at all. I mean, they had him in, you know, they had a short round in Dick Tracy and, in, in, you know, just about everything coming out at that time. So I was like, we need a little tiny Asian person in there. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Why? Wait, what do you Why? mean? Why? What do you mean Asian and Dick Tracy? 
Or are you just talking I, about the I'm sorry. Kid? Yeah, there, there wasn't an Asian Dick Tracy, but like whenever like I think of Dick Tracy, I always think of like he's like, man, he totally needs a small little Asian kid because I totally would have wrapped around because. <laughs> You know, it's like it just it like it seemed like it would have fit the character for some reason, and so like I always like mentally just inject one in there, and it's a little weird, but uh, you know, I'm yeah. a little weird person. I mean, having Scrappy Doo already is the child, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. like they doubled up on that kind of thing. It was like dopey. Yeah, it was it was going too far, and you know, like the movies really brought that in to tie it in home to where Scrappy was like, we had no idea what we were doing. We just we just we just threw him in there and. Yeah, and so like, you know, the fact that they don't ever mention Thirteenth Ghost in anything in any iteration afterwards in the later years, well, goes again to reinforce the idea that this is all just one really bad. Uh, uh, they didn't really do drugs, so one really bad sandwich trip. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, and, and since this kind of killed the franchise for a while, you know, they had to go back to the start, and they, that's when they did the pup named Scooby Doo. Did you ever watch that? Oh yeah, no, I loved a pup named Scooby Doo. I used to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning just to catch an episode before going to school. I don't, I, I remember liking it at the time, but if I were to watch it now, I'm not sure I would care for it because it, it's such a it's like the Muppet Babies of Scooby Doo, and I'm I'm not feeling that. Yeah, there, there were some things about it. I mean, although I did enjoy the fact that they removed the you know generic Scooby Doo chase sequence where they're running through doors and back and forth. Oh yeah, and just and just and just gave them a dance sequence. That, there we go. Nice. Nice good old dance sequence in the middle of it. But I have to say, every single time they have such great theme songs. Yeah, yeah. The the music has always stayed true. I mean, it's always been a good part of it. Even in even in Thirteenth Ghost, it's like, oh, you know, this is actually a pretty cool, you know, opening sequence song. It's not bad. Let's watch the series. Hmm, this isn't that great, but it's not terrible. Actually, it looks like I'm looking at this here. It looks like Velma and Fred were ditched actually a couple seasons prior to this. Really? Okay. Like I don't, I don't recall that. I just recall it very strongly in this season run. Um, so the other thing I noticed is that actually, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo was not finished. Um. Yeah, I believe it was like cut mid season. Like they just like, yeah, this isn't gonna work out, and we're just not gonna even do a wrap up episode. We're just gonna just jump out of it entirely. That's lame because they captured eleven of the thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo. Couldn't they have just done one more episode and captured the last two ghosts? Dude, don't even get me started on cartoons that don't complete their singular mission. I mean, if we go back to like, or actually, if we go forward to like Pirates of Dark Water, ah, exactly. So we just did that episode a couple weeks you know, ago. I was like, and... like that one to this day still like drives like a stake through my heart whenever I watch it. And so like, Thirteen Ghosts is kind of a similar thing where it's like, dude, could you have not done like a like a one hour special and just wrap this up for me? Just 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 the last two. That's all you needed. You know, and then, like, Vincent Price would have been, like, you know, the one true evil ghost at the end of it. I have to capture him or something. I mean, give me something here. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, we don't tolerate that with Kickstarter or, you know, like, streaming. You know, people are allowed to finish up or add at least a little bit more to the mythology. You know, another episode, yeah. another season. This, I mean, it's just kind of lame that Hanna-Barbera did that to us twice. Yeah, yeah, right. They must Two just cartoons, have really tight you know? budget. It's just, it's it's painful, but... Like at that time, though, I think the mentality was different because the mentality was like, if if it ain't doing it and no one's watching it, then no one's gonna care when it goes away. The whole concept of no one's gonna be talking about this twenty years from now really comes to their mind. Yeah, well, they forget that nostalgia is a powerful beast. Yeah, yeah, really. Oh man. You know, the one thing I was thinking of is that this is a little, even with a kid, it's a little bit darker in tone, especially in the yeah. animation look of it. But also, it's just like. Adding real ghosts, darker colors, Vincent Price. It seems like they're trying to make it a little more serious instead of slapstick. 
Yeah, no, it definitely felt that way too. I mean, like in the previous ones, like there was really very little to no injury at all. But like this one seemed like these ghosts were really malicious and like really trying to do damage. Like they were true evil beings. And the fact that you introduce ghosts into a series like this also introduces the fact that death occurred. And no one really you know thinks about that too because there oh, was yeah. really. Death in Scooby Doo until it's like, yeah, we have ghosts. And it's like, does anyone know where ghosts come from? <laughs> you know, I was thinking also they kind of move it out of America, don't they? Is this in another country? I can't. I thought it was like in Romania or something. Um, I'm trying to come back here to the episodes because like they, it felt like, it felt like they were trying to go for that generic like it could be anywhere feel, but made it just really feel international to a degree. Um, especially with the introduction, introduction of the little like random Asian kid and. Like, I think what, the first episode occurred on a boat, or I'm trying to think back to the first episode now. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. It looks like they're in Transylvania or Romania or something like that. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, like, the logistics of getting two dogs overseas. Like, it just <laughs> seems, like, so easy to go on a road trip with the same van, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, we never really determined how they got paid either, you know? That never was really reveal- revealed in 13th Ghost either. It's like, how do they afford the food and the van and the driving? I mean... No one paid them at any point, which is probably why Daphne such a plays such a big role. She's probably the funder. She's probably the money girl. Yeah, who knows? You know, was that even ever asked or brought up in the original series? Like, were they a team for a hire? Well, like, I thought they were originally supposed to be, like, an investigative team. But for the most part, almost all of their storylines involved them randomly appearing and just butting in at situations. You know, 13 Ghosts is no different. It's like, yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just here. We kind of just wandered over here and... We're just we're we're gonna solve this mystery for you. So they weren't on a road trip. They were just like, like in their <laughs> same town over and over and over. All these ghosts in the same exact town. Honestly, like I think they were just continuously driving around the U.S. just looking for people to bother at all, at any point. Although in Thirteen Ghosts, they started getting international clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, like there was no talks about funding. No talk because in the pup named Scooby Doo, like they were an agency. Like you know, they wanted to get hired out. Yet they still also did not get hired out in anything. They kind of just threw themselves into situations or randomly appeared in them. Yeah, so one of them must have had money because, I mean, unless Scooby and Shaggy were like, you know, selling weed on the side, which I'm sure Fred would have nothing to do with. Yes, exactly. So, oh, that's which, which that handkerchief. Like, what's that? What's that thing? What's that thing called? Right oh, the now? ascot. Ascot. That thing is so yeah. lame. <laughs> Oh um, man, yeah, that's that's another one of those like big mysteries of Scooby Doo that made no sense. Where it's like, you know, everyone was trying to represent like a factor of you know what have you, like the nerd Velma and the prissy girl Daphne, and then we had Fred, you know, the the jock like character. I say like because the jock would never wear an ascot. Point of fact, I don't think anyone would wear an ascot unless <laughs> they were filthy rich and on a boat. But <laughs> Like it just made no sense. It's like, well, what is your character? Like, what do you represent? What is what is your feel that you bring to the group? It's like, no, he's just the one guy that, you know, just bellows orders, and people are just like, all right, I, I guess we can do that. So, Daphne and Fred were they an item? Ah, uh, that that is like one of those, you know, infinite mysteries that people ponder to this day. Because, like, if they were, then where does that leave Velma? It was, like, a really awkward, you know, drive half the time. <laughs> like, they never they never stayed in hotels, apparently, because they constantly, you know, just crashed into other people's places. Like, there was never any talk about how rooms were split up. And so you never really knew 
who or what they were to one another. <laughs> I guess there's so many questions not answered. Um, but, you know, they answered a little bit in the movies. Did you like the movies at all? I love the movies, and a lot of people didn't, only because, like, I think one of the biggest factors for me was that I came into the movies looking for an episode and not a movie. Right. And people came in looking for a movie rather than an episode. I was like, no, man, it's Scooby-Doo. You can't expect, like, a full feature-length movie that makes sense and, you know, spans, you know, an entire, like, plot line. It's like, this is a Scooby-Doo episode. Expect random, weird, you know, nonsensical things, like Scrappy-Doo as the big giant villain in the first one, you know? It's like... Like just just go with it, man. That's just how it is. Well, the second one I think is infinitely better than the first one. I think James Gunn, who I can't believe now is one of the most important directors in the world, <laughs> yeah, you know, he yeah. wrote the script for the first two, and um, the second one he really lets loose, and it, it seems more like an episode. The monsters, yeah, the direction even, is so much stronger. Yeah, no, definitely even more so. It's a lot more true to what's going on, and. Like, he steps away from, like, all those, like, you know, random nods that people, like, constantly, you know, are trying to figure out. I was like, no, we're just going to have an episode now. We're not going to make anything, you know, possibly drug-related or relationship-related or whatever. It's like, no, they're just they're just them. Let's go with it. I was bummed that the second one didn't do very well, and they started doing the direct-to-video ones, which I haven't seen any of the direct-to-video live-action movies. I think there's, yeah. like, two or three of them. And neither did I, which not that I don't want to watch them, I just never got around to them, really. Matthew Lillard was perfect as Shaggy. Oh, yeah. No, hands down. I mean, even his random appearance in Monkey Bone, which was a terrible movie with Brendan Fraser, and I love Brendan Fraser almost everything. Uh-huh. It's like, man, it's like the fact that they even had like a random crossover appearance with Looney Tunes and, uh, you know, and was it Looney Tunes? I think it was Looney Tunes. No. No, it wasn't Looney Tunes. It was something else. It was, it was Brendan Fraser in a Looney Tunes movie that wasn't Space Jam. And oh, you're talking about Back in Action. Is that, is that what it is? Like, I can't yeah. remember for the life of me. It was just like, this is a terrible movie, but Scooby and Shaggy appear for some reason. That's awesome. Oh, you don't like Back in Action? Oh, I love Back in Action so much more than Space Jam. And Space Jam is a yeah. fine movie, but man, I love Back in Action. Joe Dante just got everything on that movie. Yeah. Um, so anyways, back to 13 Ghosts. Um, <laughs> we do that. It's okay. It's normal for our show. Um, yeah. Do you think that there was an influence from the Ghostbusters? Not just the movie, but the cartoon? That like changed this over to being ghosts. I I think so. I think that's one of the core reasons why they decided to go with like full on real ghosts because like it was the big thing at the time. I mean, there was a lot of other cartoons coming in that had like the the pseudo horror aspect. We had creepy crawlers coming out. We had uh, <clears throat> uh, what was it? Uh, Ghostbusters, like you said. I mean, like there was just a lot of direction towards actual like creature features rather than like. You know, just full-on straight mysteries. So I think that was one of the really big tying factors of like, yeah, we're just going to start doing real ghosts now and see how it takes for us. Well, in general, the public really seemed to enjoy horror comedy. I mean, Gremlins and Ghostbusters alone in one year, the yeah. two biggest movies, or two of the most, I, I guess Beverly Hills Cop was probably in the middle between the two. But, yeah. you know, and then, of course, there was like House, there's Critters. Yeah. Uh, you know, Elvira had a couple movies. You know, that's yeah, kind of the way I mean, the things are turned. But in, in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes came back. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, things were just kind of leading towards the creature feature, so I, I think that was a huge factor on why they decided to go that way. Although, like, when they took a lot of the mystery out of Scooby-Doo, it kind of, once again, like, leads you to wonder what the whole point was in the first place. Right, and this one is heavy on werewolves, which is something surprising. I still don't understand. I watched this episode twice now. Not 100% certain how it is that Daphne goes from being a werewolf than not being a werewolf so fast. And then everybody else is kind of a struggle. <laughs> 
they actually show her transforming. Like, her bones are breaking. I mean, ever since you saw American Werewolf in London, you see how painful it is for a human to turn into yeah. a werewolf. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, that, no, that, that looks like hell on Earth. Which makes you wonder if, you know, Daphne is a lot tougher than they really lead you to, you know, to believe. Yeah, or, you know, that was kind of underplayed. But, I mean, if she's going through all these kind of adventures, all of them have to be kind of tough. Even Shaggy has to yeah. have some sort of inner, like, courage in him to get, to get him through this stuff. Or he would quit. Him and Scooby yeah. would just quit and go, I, you know what, there's other things we can do. Uh, or they're getting paid really, really well. Because, like, they clearly don't like it at all. Like, at all. Like, they hate the ghosts. They hate the... Uh, the mysteries, you know, have you. In this instance, they're kind of like explained along the way by saying, oh, y'all the ones open the box and let the ghosts out. Y'all got to deal with it, <laughs> you know. But like every other situation, though, it's just like, why are you still here? What is it that keeps you around? I mean, like, is it a girl? Is it one of the girls? Are you like totally into them and they're ignoring you and you just don't want to give up? Yeah, is or it they pay you? Yeah, is it like a commitment to friends? Like, you know, sometimes your friend's an idiot, but you're like, God, he's, my be- he's my best friend. I got to do this. Yeah, you know, I, was like, I love these guys. I can't let them go off on their own. They'll just die because, you know, clearly we're the ones that solve the mysteries. <laughs> I was looking at some of the voice actors in this. And, um, of course, you got the you got Casey Kasem. You got Don Mesnick, yeah. who were with it for a very long time doing the same voice. Of course, Vincent Price. Yeah. But I was looking at some of the celebrities that popped in in here. You know Kenneth Mars from The Producers? Yeah. He's, he's the German guy who produced, who writes the play. He's in this. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton Camp, who did a bunch of animation voice work back then. Uh, he was in a really funny um, sci-fi movie called uh, Arena. Well, I find it funny because it's like blood sport with aliens. Really? Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's from uh, the guys who did uh, Ghoulies and uh, Reanimator. Mm, uh, Edie McClure. I don't know if you know who she is. She's done a bunch of comedy stuff. She was. Uh, she's the assistant secretary on Ferris Bueller. You know, with the big red poofy hair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I recognize that. Uh, Peter Cullen, of course, who did uh, Optimus Prime. Yeah. Uh, Linda Gary, who did I want, I'm trying to remember. She was in Masters of the Universe. I can't remember if she did um, Tila or uh, who was the villain in He Man. I'm have amnesia. Um, I, I want to say I'll top my head Ming the Merciless, but that's like it's kind of weird. No, no, no. I'm thinking evil. Is it Evil Lynn? She was like the right hand man to Skeletor. Evil Lynn. Oh, um, God, that that sounds right. Uh, I'd have to see it to know from the top of my head. But, oh, you've uh, never seen Masters of the Universe? Oh, I've seen it, but like oh. I would literally have to be looking at it and be like, oh yeah, that's her right there. Oh, okay. you know? But like I couldn't <laughs> tell you off the top of my head. Uh, but here's the one that surprised me is Phil Hartman. Really? Phil uh, Hartman appears in that? This is one of his very first uh, works like you know, outside of the Groundlings. Um, yeah, he played the Vacu Spook auctioneer and and i know he did a few other voice works i was watching something else where he was like a cop or something in that and i guess this is how he supplemented his income until saturday Night live took off yeah well i mean it makes sense i mean scooby-doo was a well-known name at this point so like i guess everyone had that whole idea that this is going to inject a whole new freshness to it sadly it didn't actually occur or was the case but it was it was a good shot i mean from from the voice actor list it sounds like they were trying to bring in whoever they could well, yeah, they probably paid well, too. I mean, yes, American animation kind of skimped a little bit on voice work, but Hanna-Barbera was the top, you know, of the, yeah. you know, they probably paid pretty well, and that's some decent exposure. But every time I see Phil Hartman's name, I just, I keep thinking about how much we don't get from him, which bums me out. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, that guy would have been working in the field for years upon years. You know, it's, it's 
one of those things where, like, whenever I think back on cartoons in general, though, I'm always disappointed on the fact that we never had a huge following for voice actors, uh-huh. and that almost all of our cartoons have to use, like, you know, like A, B, C-list actors in order to gain notoriety rather than having anyone actually trained for it and schooling for it. I mean, you know, not to compare and, you know, contrast, but, like, the Japanese school acting, you know, like, there's an actual field for it, and people that actually want to be voice actors that, you know practice for it and are well known just for voice acting and nothing else and we never really had that here in america so it's one of those disappointments to where all of our big name you know voice actors literally do everything there's like 12 and they do everything and everything else is done by well-known actors yeah i think i mean of course the most famous probably being mel blanc but there's you know there's still guys who work quite a bit but the sad part is you know when i was a kid all those cartoons kind of interchanged actors so you'd hear like oh well half this cast is over on gi joe and half this cast was on you know GoBots and stuff like that and now you look up like frank welker who's probably the most well-known of that time yeah um now he will be like guy three instead of being one of the main cast members and then you got bradley cooper doing the voice work who's never really been trained in voice work there are some actors who turn out to be really great voice. I mean, obviously, look at Mark Hamill. Yeah, He's done no, a great I mean, job. Like, it's 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 definitely like within their purview of ability. It's just that you know, it's once again, it's just, it's sad that uh, that we don't have like classically trained, full on voice acting people that are famous. It's like it's it really is a situation to where it's like, oh, this is voiced by this famous actor that I recognize from this movie. It's like that's you know, Mark Hamill, which is a great example of you know, you never saw it coming. Was you know, like I didn't know he was the jo- voice of the Joker until like twenty years later. I'm like, no, that's not possible. And I don't believe it. Yeah, I think I discovered that when I was watching like the making of something, and uh, I guess they had seen the Flash episode where yeah. he played um, the trickster. Oh yeah, yeah. And I guess that had an influence, so they decided to like. I mean, he had already done some voice work anyway, so they went to him. And I know, you know, it's funny is uh, we talk about that, but Mark Hamill actually had quite a few roles in later Scooby-Doo movies, and there's been tons of those animated movies. I guess they're pretty profitable. Yeah. Do you watch any of the new series? Um, I've seen some of the newer movies. I haven't watched any of the new cartoon episodes, um, not because I don't want to watch it, just because I, I just never found the time to, and I never lined up with my schedule. Yeah. Well, now it yeah. seems like they change it so often. I know that seems ridiculous saying that because the old cartoon changed so often. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It, it still seemed like it was still in the same line. It's just slight of evolution every single season and would move on to something else. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely feels like one of those uh, like movie-style things where you just have to look at whoever the, the writing and director is rather than just looking at it as a whole. Of, this is Scooby-Doo. It's like, no, this is who's writing it. Okay, they're writing it, so it's going to be a lot more, you know, like like monster and technology or what have you, rather than just like, you know, I was like, nope, this is going to be them and a guy in a suit and in a house or what have you. And uh, I think that's one of my, like, turnoffs to it, to where there is no consistency at all. Yeah. I do have to say, watching the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, and we're, we're at the end of the episode now, is some of the animation is really off. Like, some scenes really work, and there's a scene or two that just look like they're cheap, like they were actually sent out to another company who didn't understand how bodies worked at all. <laughs> I mean, my God, at one point, um, uh, Shaggy's neck is four foot long, it looks. I mean, he just, like, a mecha neck, you know, just woo. <laughs> like, his head would just break his neck, you know, because it weighed so much. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, I didn't really, you know, look too deep into it when I was watching it back in the day. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's some awkward stuff. I mean, like, there's, 
like animation tricks that you pick up as a kid, like, oh, hey, that little wall over there is shaded differently. It's going to crumble, or everything around it is going to crumble, or something around it is going to be moved. You know, but like in this one, like I didn't really pay attention to this, the small things. Like, oh, look at that, his look, his neck elongated. They decided to move his uh, his head without moving his body. Weird. Well, I mean, this is a weird time too, where animation was just on the cusp of changing. I mean, yeah. right now you have a lot of the older guys, obviously with uh, Ray Patterson, Arthur Davis. Those guys are um, old school Warner Brothers. You know, they did all the yeah. classic shorts. And then you probably got a whole new line of people. That, I don't know. They might have been using like college kids or guys just right out of college to save money, but also to teach. You know, the yeah, next possibly. generation. But you know, it was just a couple years later when um, uh, John Kay would introduce uh, what was it, uh, Mighty Mouse again. Did you ever oh, watch yeah. that series from Ralph Bakshi and John Kay? Oh yeah, no, that was uh, that was another fun one as a kid to watch. Go ahead. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, as a kid, watching Mighty Mouse was just quite fun. I mean, it's uh, another situation to where it's like, it's like, oh man, it's like speaking Zolus, only with superpowers. It's awesome. Yeah, and that was kind of the, that and the gummy bears, you know, it was bringing, if you were a lower budget cartoon, uh, Mighty Mouse took the approach of being more eccentric, you know, original designs, you know, crazy storylines, and then the uh, gummy bears, you know, Disney really put a lot of effort in bringing back classic animation on, on a tight budget, but not so much that, you know, it's the animation suffered. Yeah. And I think Hanna-Barbera, they had to change. They had to evolve or perish. And that's why you see things like, you know, the Pirates of Blackwater you were discussing earlier. You know, it had to go a lot more higher budget, you know, deeper tones, yeah. new style of uh, character design. And you yeah. know, then they went the opposite direction with a pup named Scooby-Doo. And they kind of reinterpreted what the whole concept could be. So, you know, at least they were trying. Yeah, no, I mean, like, they were getting away from using the same stylistics of uh, art and drawing for everything and, like, just making it, like, you know, really pop. Like, this is clearly different. This is something else. This is something new. And, you know, it didn't always work out in the long run, but, you know, it definitely paved the way for other cartoons to give it a shot. I mean, you know, the Conan the Barbarian cartoon, which honestly felt like a step down from Pirates of Dark Water. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, he has a mythical bird, Phoenix thingy that follows him around. That's cool. Um and, like, people are really trying to, like, you know, come out with, like, really stylized stuff. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, much later on, the Bruce Tim Batman did so well. Because it was like, okay, you know, it's it's clear that we can have completely different stylized cartoon drawing styles now that people have developed a taste for, you know, just something new and different rather than your generic uh, Looney Tunes or Hanna-Barbera style uh, classic cartoon systems. Yeah, we should just, we should do a Batman one sometime because that thing was so influential and it changed the fact that cartoons didn't have to sell toys and they didn't also have to be funny. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, it's one of the rare instances where a cartoon series created characters that went on to live in the comic book universe rather than vice versa. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that the character Harley Quinn is a cartoon original. It wasn't a comic book original. And so, like, it was kind of cool to see that, you know, you can actually have original content from cartoons, you know, traverse onwards. And I think that's one of the big things that led, you know, the whole, like, cartoon to comics and TV series to comics. Because people wanted to see these things completed. People wanted to see the rest of 13th Ghost. Like, I wouldn't have mind reading, you know, a five-issue miniseries of, you know, 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo in comic book format just to wrap up the storyline and finally be done with it. You never know. Maybe one day, you know, I, I think Scooby-Doo needs a uh, boost. It needs to be popular again. I think right now it's kind of down at the bottom again where it was when this show premiered. And yeah. it would be nice if someone did some sort of, 
uh, Scooby-Doo Universe comic book or maybe an anthology series where you jumped around time with Scooby-Doo, like tell different stories from different generations, and finally yeah. finish, finish 13 Ghosts. Yeah. Fans should not be left hanging. It's insulting. It really is. I mean, especially with something that Vincent Price worked on, you know? I was like, come on, man. Come on. But, um, like, I would have actually really loved to see a, you know, cartoon series or a comic book series that, like, focuses on the entire events in Shaggy's perspective. You know, where, like, I want to see, like, a universe where Shaggy is, like, the one sane person following his best friends around doing crazy adventures going, what is wrong with these people? Why do they keep doing these things? Like, he does it yeah. solely out of loyalty? Yeah, exactly. Slowly, like, he hates being there. It's all scary and freaky and, you know, random things keep happening and occurring and, like, he just, he just keeps getting dragged along, you know? Like, I want to see, like, an entire, like... Still there? Okay, sorry about that, listeners. We had an audio glitch, so I just reconnected. What were you saying about why he's following well, anyways, um, as, as I was, like, ranting about, like, just an entire series of just Shaggy, you know, just, like... You know, looking at his friends and saying, man, we, we needed to settle down. You know, we're, we're getting old. And it's like, no, 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 one more adventure. Okay, guys, one more adventure, Pennsylvania. And, and then we're done. Okay, we're stopping. We can't keep doing this. And then roll into the 13 Ghosts. And we're like, well, looks like now we're stuck doing it. You know, I was just thinking about this while you were saying that. What if they've never really mentioned the relationships between everybody? What yeah. if Fred, or sorry, um, uh, Shaggy is Daphne's brother? Yeah, you know, that would, that would make some sense to a degree, you know, like, if there was, like, an odd relation, like, like, cousins and brothers and uncles and nephews, whatever, I mean, like, something that will explain away, like, chemistry, because, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like, half the time, like, I, I want them to be, you know, related, half the time I want them to be, like, romantically inclined, which is kind of weird on my end, maybe a little Game of Thronesy for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But, like, it's also, like, kind of a sign of the time to where, like, you could have these, you know, van fill of people together and not really care if there's anything going on because it didn't matter and it didn't really pertain to anything. And I think that was kind of their end goal. Their end goal was the fact that I was like, they're just, you know, friends in a van, you know. Like, they didn't want to think more about it because it's just a complication that wasn't necessary for kids' cartoons because kids didn't care. And it wasn't until we got older to where now we're all thinking about it. It's like, well, were they getting it on in the van? It was like a five-year-old would be like, well, are they playing Parcheesi in the van? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just thinking about that because Shaggy never hit on Daphne. I mean, not that Fred really did, but you can kind of see there's a little bit of chemistry there. Um, Shaggy never hit on Daphne, but he also stuck by her side until the very end of the series. So it makes me think that they're siblings... And he's the older brother watching out for her, but she has the money and she has the adventure in her heart. So he yeah. just goes along to protect her, even though he's still kind of scared. Yeah, no, that that would make sense. And like once again, like that'd be a great thing to read or you know see in a cartoon or a comic book format of just like it's like give me an origin story, you know, besides a pup named Scooby Doo, or they're just a bunch of friends hanging out and solving mysteries. Like give me a real origin. Why do you why do you do this? How do you how do you pay for this? You know, why do you keep doing it when clearly, you know, like you're not making tons of money on it? Because, I mean, really, look at that van, you know, it's it's all they're driving around in, but they have enough money to afford the travel. So all their money is being sunk into, like, you know, passports and traveling costs and food. Um, so, I mean, like, I would love to see because, like, they've done stripped down versions of things like they've done, like, stripped down, like, here's the Millennium Falcon, you know, like section by section. And here's a Starship Enterprise section by section It's like, give me the, you know, give me the. 
ledgers of the mystery, you know, mystery group. <laughs> I was like, where does money? What is their money go? How does their income come in? Okay, you I know? have it. I have the plot right here. Okay, yeah. so Shaggy and Daphne are siblings. They lose their parents under mysterious circumstances. Maybe, maybe a ghost was blamed for their death or something supernatural. So they get the money from the insurance. And this is how they pay for everything. Fred is Daphne's boyfriend, so he's obligated. And then Velma is Daphne's best friend. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would totally apply. Um, maybe Shaggy has a crush on Velma, and Velma has, like, unrequited love for Fred. We can throw that in later on. Yeah. Might not be necessary. <laughs> Um, only because, like, Velma seems to get ignored a lot, and she seems to be the one that really pulls it together. I mean, like, I think that, uh, that Fred is dragged along, and that, uh, Daphne specifically wants Velma along because she's the brains of the group and needs someone to really figure out, you know, who, like, if there was really natural cause or if someone really killed them, which would be kind of a fun read. Um, which would explain 13 Ghosts, because then at that point, like, you know, maybe like there was issues in the group and they weren't getting anywhere and they weren't being led anywhere. And so Daphne finally quits and Fred's just done, you know, doing this whole randomly running around the world. But, uh, you know, maybe it's to that point too where they're like, maybe Ghost really did do it. And so they start, you know, kind of jumping towards a closer supernatural area where they find this box of ghosts that they accidentally release. Like maybe yeah. Daphne's just a little obsessed now. Like she can't get yeah. her brain can't around let it. Go. She, yeah. might, she might need help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think this 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 uh, this head cannon actually uh, might work. This uh, this this could change the industry of Scooby Doo. All right, so let's pitch this idea to Warner Brothers. See if they'll go for it. <laughs> there we go. All right, we got this. We're gonna make millions, millions and millions of you know internet bucks worth tons of money. You know, this is the longest episode we've ever done because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> even even with our tangents, it still would have been long. I guess my final notes on this is the fact that I think the show is severely underrated. Even with the annoying kid, it was going in a direction I truly find interesting. And um, Linda Cardellini was severely underrated as Velma in the movies. That's my yes. final note. Yeah, I just want to say uh, thanks for having me and had a lot of had a lot of fun times doing this. All right, we should do another one. That was yeah, a lot of fun. Definitely. All righty, everybody. <laughs> That's it for us at Back in Tunes. Have a good night. <laughs>